we're clear for takeoff. For another supremely spectacular Kings of the Heart. My name is Tariq Omari Walton. I am joined by my brother and my partner in crime, Dr. John Hart. What's happening, man? Man, it's good to see you, man. Good to I'm see so you. So happy. Always happy for us to show up here and really push for the people. Healthy relationships is what we're about. Healthy relationships is all we're about. And as yes. you know, we are in the middle of a series on healthy relationships. We started off talking about trust and support. We got into a little honesty and responsibility. And today, we're going to get very, very, very deep into open communication and how important that is to maintain a healthy, strong, vibrant relationship. Man, it's 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 such a topic, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, and for that topic. and for that reason, we couldn't just do it by ourselves. I mean, we could have, but we wouldn't have given it the kind of flavor that you needed. So we're bringing uh, a very special guest, a very good friend of the program. Actually, we brought her on for the program when we first started, but it didn't record. So you know, is, we had is, 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 isn't it called the Lost Tapes? <laughs> <laughs> it's out in the ether somewhere, out in the ether. Yeah. So if you can catch it in the ether, you might be able to hear. But otherwise, we had to bring her back. Give her another chance to break it down for, with us, you know, all the knowledge that she has. And this is a wonderful artist and scholar, my great friend, Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman. Dr. Khadija, how are you doing today? Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. I'm so glad to be with two of my favorite people. And yes, the Lost Files will someday, someday. reemerge, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was such a great show. But I am here to... um really vibe with you all i love your what you're doing and i love the topic i love always talking about um healthy communication so thank you for having me john why don't you give the people a little background on dr coleman if you don't mind if you don't mind definitely um truly blessed to have this sister on board uh for today's conversation uh dr khadija ali coleman is a committed homeschooling mother and enthusiastic co-founder of the black family homeschool educators and scholars um we are in the midst and in the, in the presence of an educator an artist and a media maker Dr. Ali Coleman is a 2019 Fulbright Hayes Scholar who spent five weeks in Columbia, South America. This woman is well-traveled, well-versed. Um, we're also giving a round of applause. Um, she just received her doctorate in 2020, studying higher education through <laughs> leadership program at Morgan State. Um, this is this talented. Um, please feel free. I'll allow her to let y'all know um, where you guys can get in contact with her. Um, but just know that we have a brilliant person on stage. Uh, with I don't, us. I don't uh, even know if brilliant or talented actually encapsulates everything I'm telling that she you, is. Oh, I mean, my God. The pressure. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? <laughs> get, you know, I mean, we, we, we got on the show now. Yeah, right. I mean, master's in mass communication slash media studies at Towson, BA in interdisciplinary studies, African-American studies in mass media with the minor and writing from UMBC, and she lives with her life partner, Ben, and their daughter, Kyrie. And I would like to pass it over 
to this sister. Um, how about you just introduce yourself? I, if I didn't do it justice, it's okay. Look at it. But I, I tried my best. We have to add author. We have to add playwright. We have to add singer. Yo. We have to add an actress. She, I mean, people often say that well I am dressed? like a, say I'm a renaissance this, this man. This sister's well dressed this, is, this sister right here is serious. She is a artist supreme through and through. Despite, you know, um, her, her academic background, the arts live in her. And as somebody yes. who's been friends with her for over a decade now and has followed her for even longer on social media, th I am truly always inspired by the things that she's doing. This is going to make me cry. <laughs> this is so beautiful. <laughs> this is this is such a beautiful welcome. And I just I, it's a lot of pressure, too. But well, thank you. Well, you better come with it then. You better come with that it. Wonder OK. All right. All right. <laughs> so so let's kick it off. I mean, right. I. I am just so privileged to be here and, and what a wonderful topic to be talking about, um, you know, following, I mean, our world has been hit with a global pandemic, mm -hmm. people being quarantined and all kinds of things going on and taking place. So what a wonderful time to really take pause and to really talk about, you know, healthy communication. So very glad to be here. Well, let's start with you, you know, Khadija, when you think about communication in a relationship, what are some of the first things that pop into your mind? Uh, well, the very first thing that pops into my mind um, are the ways that folks handle conflict um, and what they even perceive as being conflict. Um, a lot of times when we talk about conflict, it's usually this image of, you know, Jerry Springer or <laughs> I'm dating myself, I know, um, but some type of it's okay, drama, we're all with you. you, you know, rea reality television at its finest, right? Where at its finest. Folks throwing it, throwing fists, someone getting their butt beat, you know, and, and, and thinking that that's the only way that conflict manifests, but not realizing that. A lot of times when we see the dissolution of a relationship, whether it's an intimate partner relationship or among friends, close family members, it's rarely those type of dramatic instances that lead to some type of breakup. It's usually the failure to communicate and conflict where one person may not even recognize that a conflict has ensued and the other person is holding on to something and not able to communicate what exactly they're feeling and what they believe about the situation and it, it ends there and oftentimes it ends without even there being a discussion so whenever I think of relationships and I, I wonder how folks are dealing with conflict and recognizing that there are five responses to it and sometimes the ways that we respond is not the most effective and just to add on to that too when you talk about conflict you also have to talk about the resolution part you know, if you have a conflict, the main thing that goes along with that when it comes to healthy communication is finding resolution to whatever the conflict is. And one of the reasons why, like you mentioned, people break up after having long periods of poor communication and all that conflict building up is because you've never found resolution to any of those problems. Mm -hmm. And they just keep adding up and adding up and adding up. You can't sweep it under the rug for so long. And so you have to figure out how to actually come to some kind of resolution about whatever the issues are as they're going along, not waiting until, you know, one big blow up and now we want to talk about it. No, deal with it in a moment. So exactly. Well, that that's that's the actual reason why I I usually talk about conflict responses before I even get to resolution, because resolution True. requires an understanding of how we respond, because everyone doesn't respond the same oh, way yeah. to mm -hmm. conflict. And most people don't realize what their own um, 
responses, but yet have a higher expectation for the other person to Mm -hmm. to respond in a way that's most effective. And I always find that so incredibly interesting, Um, particularly when I talk to folks and I ask them and, you know, I may have them walk me through a situation and and, and for them to realize, oh, yeah, I do tend to withdraw. I do tend to not show up in a situation where I feel uncomfortable. Well, that your response then to conflict is withdrawing, where another person's response may be to force it. Let's talk now. I want to talk now. What's going on? And so, right. 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 And so these different responses make resolution very impossible at times. And so that's why, you know, resolution, like you said, Tariq, is, is, is the goal, but you can't even get to resolution if you don't even know and you can't even identify your own response pattern. So yeah. no, that's 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 real, Dr. Khadija. And and when you were talking, I mean, a lot of what you said, I'm sure resonated um, for all of us listening. And one thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, Brother Rico always talks about effort. And I wonder you what are you, what are your thoughts about the amount of effort one has to take to be very introspective, but most importantly, honest with your conflict response? responses right because that that's kind of where it starts you know you can have people tell you all the time like hey you struggle here or or this is the way you keep responding but change is real critical with that you know inner work right and so what do you what do you think is necessary to have that level of introspection or awareness or even honesty with oneself about their conflict responses it it it's so hard the work oh my goodness and and it looks different for everyone but there there are certain characteristics a person that is more likely to withdraw um i have found and just in Mm -hmm. conversations with my students and folks Mm -hmm. that i've worked with have found that typically when someone withdraw withdraws Mm -hmm. the the work that that they would require to engage in is being more communicative. So if if they're feeling uncomfortable, if they want to withdraw, being able to communicate that to the person they're in conflict with, particularly if that person is the is the opposite or different, sure. where they are wanting to talk about it right now. If sure. you don't want to say right now, I'm not feeling safe, I'm not feeling comfortable, and I'm not in the right frame of mind to really talk about this. I think I want to take a walk or leave or come back to this tomorrow. And as simple as that sounds, that is work. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Yep. I appreciate that. With a person who is demanding, I want to talk now, who wants to force it, and and that's their response to conflict. Or they may say, who are you talking to? And get defensive and things like that. The work for them is to have a seat or to take a pause or to invest in in, or pay attention to their breathing. Take Mm -hmm. a pause. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, feeling so- right now very attacked, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the work It's being, mm-hmm. you know, um, communicative as to how you're feeling right now and also that you want to talk about it right now. And then once those things are articulated, then some type of conversation can um, and, and collaboration can then mm-hmm. begin to manifest a resolution. But if that's the work and it looks different yep. based on what your response is to conflict. And I don't think some of us have really um even begin to examine the ways yep. that we we respond sometimes in um it's just instinct or it's intuitive yeah. it's not yep. even something and it's it's learned you know it's based yeah. on how we we raise and the things that we do family of origin yeah. right yeah. they become behaviors so yep. and we talk about you know john and i talk about this all the time about emotional regulation and that plays into the way that you respond 
You know, so if you respond on a, you know, highly emo and from a highly emotional state, yeah, you're going to be the one more than likely who's going to always be pursuing the other person. We have this whole concept in, in marriage and family therapy of pursuer withdrawer. And so there's one person who's always pursuing, the other one is always withdrawing, and it's the cycle of pursuing and withdrawing where the person is pursuing because, you know, there's some kind of anxiety kind of pushing them that they, they need an answer, they need a response right now, mm -hmm. or, you know, they're conflict, you know, um, um, heavy. And then you have someone who's conflict avoidant who's withdrawing. And, but the yes. more the person withdraws, the more the other person is going to pursue. But the yes. more the other person pursues, the more the other person is going to withdraw. So you, ha you get caught yes. in the cycle. And it's like, yes. okay, so where do you break the cycle? So as the person who's pursuing, you have to figure out a way to kind of self-soothe. Take a break, slow down, and allow the person some distance. If they call for the distance, let them get, get away for a second. Go, get themselves together. And while that person who's withdrawing, they need to recognize that if they call a break, then they need to go work on whatever it is they want to talk about and come back knowing that the other person is getting more and more anxious or trying to self-soothe. And so just to be fair, don't take forever. If you say you need a break, take that time to go get yourself together, go get your thoughts in line, and then come back and engage from a much calmer place for both of you guys so that you can find some kind of resolution. So that goes along with everything you just said. You know, figure right. out how you're responding, figure out how to slow down, and then come back and come to some kind of resolution. Right. So and that comes taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, this mic does not want to stay on the handle today. No. Jeez. No. <laughs> it, it was it was it was it was it was on fire. I mean <laughs> <laughs> That's a drop. It oh, dropped oh. itself. It oh, dropped my, itself. Oh, my breath really stinks and it's trying to get away from my mouth. <laughs> it's in conflict with I your know, breath. It's in conflict. <laughs> that was its response, brother. That is its response. Oh, man. No, this is, this is great. No, but I mean, there's definitely everything you guys are saying is, is so true because we see that in. And, and folks who are in relationships, um, all three of us, like we, you know, being teachers, you know, either currently or, or, or in the past, like we see it with students as well. Um, and, and it does go a lot. Um, I think it even speaks to the relationship and building that capital. Let your let the other person know, let the student know, let whoever you're talking to know, like, you know what I hear and I acknowledge the way you're responding and I want to work with you. Um, so that way we can at some point talk, but that means that I have to give effort and you have to give effort, right? And trying to understand what's blocking us, right? Because it's it can't be, um, you know, a blame game, right? And and I think that's usually what happens with relationships in general, right? It's it's we want to find that one thing to blame. When I think what Dr. Khadija and, and Brother Reek and I are talking about is like there's a system at hand, folks. Yeah. Like there's a system that, you know, Dr. Khadija said some of these behaviors we do is learn like the conflict responses learn. Some of it is it's in it's instinctual. Right. So I always talk about empathy. I don't know about you guys, but I always talk about oh. empathy. like have empathy for empathy, your partner. Empathy that and they, compassion. Empathy and compassion. Correct. Hand yeah, hand. They, they do. Like like sometimes like when my wife responds in a not so ideal way, I don't like immediately like react because part of it is like, OK, at the end of the day. I know in this moment, that's not intentional. Exactly. It's, the it's intention, not intentional. Right. right. You know, and what are you guys' thoughts about that? that? That, you know, part of trying to break these break these cycles and these systems is like empathy and compassion. Sometimes like those things go a long way, folks. I mean, what do y'all think? Oh, I am in total agreement with you. One, 
one of the things that I really, um, you know, when, when we talked last, I was actively teaching communication studies. Mm -hmm. I forget at what college. I, I have like 50 million. Hey, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Were, were you at Nova? But, um, I think you're in, were you still at Nova or were you at um? No, UNBC? I left Nova in 2014. Um, I think I was at Morgan. Okay. <laughs> I think okay. I was. I was teaching at Mo Morgan at CCBC, I think, okay. when when we CCBC, were that's what it was. Okay, and, yeah. and so we we I have my classes. What I, when we were in, in person, I was doing a lot of um, activities in my communication studies because I found that it was really difficult to talk about these things um, like empathy <laughs> and communicating in a way. Um, towards resolution and understanding your responses that all of that falls on deaf ears until um, they get a sense of who they are as communicators and then we can apply what we're learning. So there was an activity that I would have them do where many of them would find out that these, this lack of em empathy or this commitment to, um, to not really allowing the other person to um, get a word in or to, to resolve mm -hmm. whatever. A, a lot of them would go back because this, I, I don't really want to tell the, all the details of the activity, but I, I will say that a lot of folks would go back to one particular issue when or, or incident when they were younger Correct. and recognize that it, 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 some, is, it was one thing in particular that really um, sparked who they are now in terms of how they react when they are feeling uncomfortable or if they feel attacked or they feel that, or they're, they're unable to really communicate certain things that they feel about themselves when it's in an intimate partnership. And, and I say all of that to say that a lot of how we communicate revolves around, especially the negative aspects of how we communicate revolve around unresolved um, ways that um, or experiences that we've had as young people mm -hmm. who were not who did not feel protected yeah. or did not feel safe yeah. and, and, and the and the behaviors were either rewarded um, or there was consequence in expressing how you really feel yeah. and so a lot of times when we have folks who can't just be empathetic and just yeah. and or just listen and to to hear what the other person is saying a lot of it revolves around growing up where you are not um feeling powerful you are not feeling heard you are not feeling able to communicate and so it's hard for you to demonstrate empathy to other people Indeed. if you do not feel that other fo folks have empathy have had empathy for you right. and so it's that's that is all you know why i was having this conversation yesterday actually with one of my my team members um i have one-on-ones with my staff mm -hmm. and um one of my team members is an elder she's um considerably older than me um but I, we were talking about um you know, she's been in the media um field for years um for decades and we were just really talking about how it's very male driven there's certain things that would happen in the environment in her experiences of just disrespect to women like you know the banter between the male techs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um different things like that till she eventually was used to it but it does, it never felt good. But because she was always by herself or one of a few, she never felt powerful to speak up. And so when it came to situations, we were talking about a situation where someone else had experienced this 
um, it was hard to show, to demonstrate empathy because she has for so long gone through this where it was never safe for her. And um, we talked about that and, and what how that was a culture we did not, when we, you know, return to the workplace, we do not want that to be something that um, is maintained. Um, not necessarily that it's at our workplace, but sure. but always being more aware of that because we we know what it feels like not to feel powerful, and because we've had instances where we were not powerful and we were not protected, we now know that we have the the power still to protect other people as as older women, you know and communication relies on that process and that growth and that dis that openness and willingness to address those moments where we it, it doesn't even have to be we were necessarily violated but we didn't feel powerful and there was consequence in expressing how we felt at the moment and that's going to show up no matter how old you get you know so is it um, safe to say resolved. so is it safe to say then that one of the keys to having good communication within the the relation within the relationship is actually being able to express your feelings, knowing how to express your feelings and feeling safe to do so. You yeah. know, cause one of the things we get into a lot also is vulnerability and feeling yeah. vulnerable, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, but needing yeah. a safe space to do that. But when yeah. you are learning how to be more vulnerable, you have to know how to actually express those feelings, not just yeah. your thoughts, not just your opinions, not just your, your observations, but actually how you're being affected and how you're being impacted by your experiences. Is it right. safe to say that that is one of the key components to having good communication within a relationship? I, I agree. It goes hand in hand with what you would say. And also about, so once you, you get to that point where you're expressing yourself, what you were talking about with self-soothing, being able to soothe yourself if the response you receive from somebody isn't ideal. And see, sure. that's, it's, it's all of these moving parts. It's, I'm it, telling it, you, it, you see, you it, see it, how nuanced it is, folks? It's, it's so, so nuanced. It's so nuanced. It's so nuanced. Wouldn't right? it be beautiful if it was just one remedy you can Oh my God. No, because we would be on the Business. We would be job. unemployed. Yeah, we would have we would have we, no we, job. We, we would be unemployed. Just read, right. read this, read this tagline, right. you'll be okay. Nah, that's not right. how it works. <laughs> read this tagline. Yeah, no, no, it, it's 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 so true. And the vulnerability part, um, I mean, uh, you know, to an earlier point, it really does stem to do do some of us know how to do it, right? I mean, that that's it's 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 one of the most critical skills when you think about socializing people such as young kids and 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 vote right because kids turn into adults and so if you don't if you if you all you've seen is reactive emotions being displayed then that is literally what you're going to be doing when you're a much older individual exactly right? and so that's why i always even when i'm in therapy with like my couples like i even show them a ton of compassion because i even have to let them know like look if i had to guess you probably weren't taught what vulnerability is. You probably didn't see it. That word probably wasn't even a, a part of the vocabulary in your family of origin. And so if that is the case, right, that's not that you don't want to be vulnerable is that you can't because it wasn't taught. That's a capability issue. Like that's where we, that's why we come to therapy. That's why we go take a communication course with Dr. Khadija. We try <laughs> right. to break down, well, what are healthier ways for me to be less reactive and more vulnerable? Because here's the catch, right? And, and you lovely folks can tell me if I'm wrong. I always say this to my couples, when you 
share more vulnerable feelings than the reactive ones, everyone wins. Everyone wins. Yeah, because it's a key. It's, a, it's one of the key, and we'll talk about this in the next episode. It's a key to intimacy. Being Correct. vulnerable is a key to actual emotional intimacy. And the more vulnerable you are, the more trusted your partner feels because you're, yeah. you're sharing. And that's going to make them feel closer to you. And the, well, fact that they, able to, they, able, the fact that they're able to show you empathy is going to make you feel closer to them. And let's make sure we know people, people understand what compassion and empathy mean. When we talk about compassion, we talk about being able to care for somebody and show somebody that you care for them without judgment, not judging them. That's, that's when we talk about compassion. That's what we're talking about. Don't judge someone. Just show that care without judgment. And when it comes to empathy, empathy basically is just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see things from their perspective. So even though you may not agree with their perspective, as long as you understand their perspective, you can understand why they feel a particular way. So, yeah, I may not right. I may not see the situation the same way. But, yeah, Correct. you know what? If you went through that, if that's the way you experienced it. I can understand why you may be frustrated right now. Correct. So Correct. just simply being able to understand someone's perspective and why they may feel their, a certain way is the way that you're showing empathy for somebody. No, that's so spot on. And, and it all, those, those two, the compassion and empathy goes to what Dr. Khadija was talking about. She used the term, folks, and that was safety, right? Emotional safety in communication is so key, right? And Dr. Khadija, when, when you think about the role um, safety plays during communication, all aspects of communication, um, what, what are the implications of there being a safe space or having that emotional safety present? it so oh wow it's there's there's so much and and you know we we're talking right now about intimate partnerships um particularly you know someone you're romantically sure. involved with or right. but i i think of of safety in all types of relationships but yep. um yeah, what true. always true. comes to mind is um parent child the way oh, or or teacher real. student um and we, and we don't think of that because safety to me it allows for growth to happen right and a lot of times and i and i'm speaking now i'm, I'm wearing my I just, I just got chills man what I, I just I, look I'm, I'm wearing my educator <laughs> hat and and one of the things that really frustrates me you know um so so much when we have these discussions about schools that aren't working and, and they always tend to revolve around money but sure. what we don't talk about are what elements are in place to create a safe environment and i'm not talking about um when we talk about school shootings or yeah. that type of safety yeah. Yeah. i'm talking about what is occurring in the classroom where children feel safe to express what they don't know what they do know but who they are and able to show up and be encouraged to move past things that may halt their their understanding about things and to grow in a safe space is imperative for any growth to happen sure and and and, and so, you know, emotional safety, we don't really talk about that at all yep, when we no. talk about these schools. But I can tell you, as someone who homeschools and who has researched on that, a lot of Black families in particular have left traditional school settings because they are not safe right. because of that emotional safety, the right. lack of emotional safety, the lack of um, uh, uh, the, the space being a place where children are not only um, recognized for who they are, that they're culturally, who they are culturally, but also who they are um, academically and mm -hmm. as learners, but as people. My daughter um, 
well, you know, she's done, you know, because I, I, I've had her talk on this sometimes, not necessarily against her will, but she, she wasn't like trying it was to against her sure. will. It was against right. her will. Sure. Whatever. Sure. The fact that you had to say but, that, sure. she knows it was against her will. Sure. Well, look, so this is what I will say that Sorry, she's Kari. not going to say, she's not going to say, <laughs> sign me up so I can talk about this. But I would be like, hey, Kari, can, um, I'm doing this thing. Can you? She's like, okay. Voluntold. And, and, and but look, this is how I also volunteered. I love. I'm going to take that. I'm going to steal that. But look, um, I was. I interviewed her for this teaching that that Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars had last summer, and I interviewed her because I wanted to have more children who were homeschooled to talk instead of the parents sure. talking about how wonderful it is. And I learned so much that I didn't know because I was in it with her. But this was really the first time that she communicated and articulated so clearly why she asked me to homeschool her for high school. And the number one reason was because when she was in middle school, it was not a safe space for her to express who she was. Hmm. She got, um, she, during high, middle school, she had locks and she combed them out so she could, she wanted her hair natural again without yeah, my, the locks. My sister went through the and, same thing, boy. Right. So she started wearing head wraps and she was at a performing arts school, um, where they didn't have uniforms and so this restriction on now she wasn't able to wear head wraps her 12 year old self was like this is what I would want to do how is this at any way impacting my learning experience and was able to feel that way and hold on to that so much that she made a decision that she did not want to go to high school where she was not safe to express herself through what she wore and that everything that she did, that she, and she used the word, she said that it was this adultist environment that did not recognize who I was as an individual. And so I was like, okay, because of course she didn't use all those words. She just came and was like, I would like to be homeschooled for high school. But to articulate that, it really made me think and it influenced my research questions when I asked other dual enroll homeschool students, what about your homeschooling experience prepared you for college, for a college environment? And all of them spoke to this safety and this, and this, this freedom to be able to self-pace, to express themselves, to be able to ask for help. And, and, and that's very important for us to, to understand that safety is imperative for growth and learning to happen. Mm -hmm. And so we, we think about in relationships, you know, you're learning about your partner and yep. this is so we can be, but imagine all of the things that, um, how we relate to children and how much is a power dynamic involved where very rarely, you know, does an adult walk into a situation with a child and think that learning can take place from there, they right. can learn from right. this child. It's, it's more of, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to do. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go down. That top-down approach. Exactly. Yep. And so um, safety, Dr. John, is imperative mm -hmm. to, um, to, to the growth of the relationship, but also for the individuals that are involved to even be able to fully express who they are mm -hmm. and, and as they show up as humans. So is it safe to say then, again, that part of it, as a person who's supposed to be creating the safe space, Part of it for them is recognizing that's okay to disagree. You don't have to like what the person's doing or saying or even feeling, but it's a matter of being able to step back and give them the room to do that right. with you. Because again, right. you're not judging them because you're showing compassion, 
but it's okay to disagree. So within a relationship, it's fine to disagree. You don't have to be on the same page, and you don't have to turn this into a major conflict just because you don't see things the same way. But you're creating a safe space so they can express themselves to you so that you can understand them better and come to some kind of, keep going back to resolution, come back to some kind of resolution. But you want to know through and through that it's okay to disagree. You don't have to always see things the same exact way. And that shouldn't stop you from being compassionate or empathetic towards your partner. Right, John? Yeah. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's important for what we're talking about is implications. And I actually really appreciate Dr. Khadija uh, t- uh, tying in some of the language around even working with young people, because it goes to the point about what you guys have heard me and Brother Rico always bring up family of origin. Family of origin can also include young people's experiences in other environments, such as schools, and the amount of emotional awareness, the amount of emotional uh, intelligence and, and, and growth that comes, that's a other critical space for development. And so when we look at adults today, right, and when we think about, well, what does it look like to disagree? Or what does it look like for me to advocate for myself, open my mouth, and express myself? These folks, what we're talking about today are it's so nuanced that like we're not asking folks to be experts on it, but what we are asking, which is why I asked Dr. Khadija earlier, it's we all need to put in effort. And so if you didn't have those early experiences, it isn't it's not too late. Right. Not that's the all. beautiful thing. Come to that's therapy. A, that's a, right. You come to therapy. We can or, teach or, you. Right. You know, or, or you reach out to a Dr. Khadija and get some form of consultation or let her redirect you in places. But I, I always want to give hope. And I, and I think we should always allow people to know that, yeah, you can grow up in a very emotionally stunted, emotionally unsafe environment. And I know you're probably struggling in certain ways, but you don't have to move forward. Right. right. You don't have to. Like we've all come a long way and we're some of us are still learning. Even us three yeah. on this call, like we're still learning. But right. part of it, folks, is is being honest, which is scary, right? That's vulnerability, right? Being honest with yourself on, well, the way I'm responding is actually, it's not helping me. And I need to admit that, right? And I always, and that's what I was thinking as Dr. Khadija was was talking and as Brother Reek was kind of tying things in, I'm like, wow, um, the developmental psychology piece to this around communication, healthy communication is so critical. And so I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. But let's not get too far away from the cultural piece as well. You know, correct. Dr. John, you've yeah, heard me say correct. before, and correct. anyone who hears me speak, especially when I'm doing my barbershop talks, I'm talking to black men directly and trying to get them to be more vulnerable and more emotionally expressive, just recognizing that there has never been a time in American history where a black man could feel free to be vulnerable because there are always negative consequences. So whether it was um, during the Middle Passage, whether it was during enslavement, whether it was during, um, you know, um, um, segregation, all the way up through now, there's always been some kind of negative consequence for being, you know, emotional or expressing emotion, whatever the emotion is. Correct. And so we have, as a culture, have taught our young boys in particular to not express emotion because we want to try and keep you safe. That's yep. the basic psychology behind it. But we don't recognize how we are stunting them emotionally and how that's keeping them from being able to express themselves with their mates and why there's so many um, um, black relationships that are impacted by poor communication because a lot of yeah. black men don't feel safe, have never felt safe to express themselves. And yeah. so for, for us, a lot of times, it's a matter of learning that it's okay to be emotionally expressive. It doesn't have to mirror the, the expression that you think your, your mate has. It doesn't have to be whatever it is that they're showing you. 
It's a matter of defining for yourself what's the good way for me to express how I'm feeling. Other than anger, because anger we know is, is a secondary response to another emotion because the other emotion just doesn't feel potent enough. But if we can get away from just expressing anger and express, look, I'm, I'm really frustrated right now or I'm disappointed or I'm feeling guilty, whatever I'm it hurt. is. I'm hurt. Unheard, right. You know, unappreciated. Yeah. Find the particular words that express how you're feeling so that people understand you better and changes can happen. But if you're only showing anger because that's the only emotion you're comfortable with, how can anybody understand what's happening with you? How can anybody yeah. do anything different? How can anybody distinguish one angry moment from the next? You have to learn how to do that. And you have to learn how to become comfortable. But that can only happen if you create a safe space. And so one of the things that often communicate with our sisters is that you can come to me and say that I want my mate to be more emotionally expressive, but you have to be prepared to receive whatever expression it is. It's not just going to be about you guys. It may be about anything else in life or past experiences and how they were affected, how they were impacted. And you have to be ready to receive that because of one moment that you shut them down, they're not going to open up again ever. So you have to create that safe space for them in that moment, hear what they're saying and hold it for them. That's where the compassion comes in. And so as black men, I know that we have to do a better job of being more in touch and more aware of what it is that we're feeling so that we can communicate that better. Yeah. As well said, man. I mean, and, and you know, uh, communication goes both ways. Communication is also listening, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's also a real critical part that I see really trips uh, people up. But I do appreciate you bringing that cultural piece into it because there are a lot of um, social narratives and there's a lot of um, uh, a different commentary on what a man is and what communication looks like. And when you were talking, Brother Rick, I also, I was, I was, what was also going in my mind is like, you know, what are aspects of communication that have now been labeled and stigmatized as being female that actually are probably like relatively healthy ways to it's, communicate. It's just human, or, it's right? human ways you know? of communicating, like, right. So, and, 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 and so you bringing that up, like had me thinking about that because there's a lot of tropes that are really messing up people's communication. And, and also let's, let's also be real, being open to learning new ways too. Because uh, you, we all have to unlearn some unhealthy ways to be able to take on new information and learn. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that, and I think it really um, re revolves around how we we choose to define, redefine um, what yeah. power is. And yep. I think for men, it's so um, their emotions and how they um, express them are so largely tied to our ideas about power oh, yeah. and I think I think a, a, a easy way to kind of maybe shift thinking on that on that front is looking at our expression our emotional expression as a form of body agency and you hear that a lot mm. um, when it comes to women having agency over their bodies with folks not policing what they wear not policing what happens to them not using power to violate their bodies but body agency is very important when it comes to men because um, body male bodies are so tied to um, this idea of strength and power, but very disconnected from how expressions of emotions are. And so I think if we if we even begin to think of 
um, or, or articulate to men, whether it's in your therapy practice or um, within just interactions with men that you literally have this power. You're not utilizing the full body power that you possess as not only a, a physically strong person, but also an emotionally strong person. And that expressing yourself isn't necessarily crying or mm -hmm. yelling. Mm -hmm. It's expressing yourself, articulating what it is that you're feeling right now in the moment, right now, um, in contact with somebody who you feel safe with. And I, I don't think it's everyone, I don't think everyone's job is to create necessarily to create a safe space for another person. But I think that it is important if we are, if we have people that um, we have decided and, and, that we and care they about. Want, right, <laughs> right. That yep. we're in a relationship right, with, exactly. if you're in a relationship, right. that's I, our that's responsibility. Right. Right. It is. It's it is. and it or if you're responsible for other people as a teacher, sure. as you yep. know, for, yep. it's your responsibility to as create safety. Right. right. I'm not I'm not responsible for creating a safe space for the, the cashier in the store that I walk walk into. Right. You know, right. you know, I'm not I don't have the right to treat them any kind of way, but I'm not responsible for what that happens in the course of their day. So, you know, so that discernment. And in, in knowing that for certain folks, we are responsible for that and that we both have this body agency to articulate and to express ourselves and to demonstrate our power and our strength in ways that only that aren't only connected to our physical strength, then that really changes the landscape because then it doesn't become this is male or this is female. This is what women do. This is what men do. This, I agree. You know, it, it, it then is how are we using the, the multitudes of powers that we possess and, and, and having agency over that. And, you, and what we'll find then is that folks do not believe that they have body agency in certain realms um oh, that exist sure. that's for sure and and so Love that me. begins to kind of deconstruct how we even believe i it i always find it fascinating when someone says this makes me feel like a woman or this makes me feel like a man i don't know i couldn't i personally i can't say you know i i embody all of every woman is like me. That's ridiculous. That's right. ridiculous. Right. But I know the full range of what I have so far been capable of. And to to know that there are still there's a vast possibility that I could do other things or ex express in a different way or or do something in a different way allows me to to feel powerful and to have agency over who I am. So mm -hmm. if we have those conversations um, with with folks, that begins to shift the paradigm on term in terms of how not only how we communicate to others, but what we're communicating to ourselves in terms of what the full possibilities are in terms of how um, we show up in the world. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, we're going to have to wrap up soon. But before we go, we've done a lot of um, conversing around being the expressor. And as we're talking about creating safe spaces, we're talking a little bit about being a listener. But we haven't actually talked about what it takes to be a good listener, what it takes to be a good, empathetic listener. And so let me ask you that, you know, Dr. John, start us off. What does it take for you as a, a person sitting there creating a safe space for your partner? What does it take for you to be a good, empathetic listener? 
Um, I, I think it's important to be um, one, you need to slow down because usually when our thoughts, when our energies are going really fast, we're not really taking in information. So we need to be at a slower pace. So I always suggest like you may need to sit down or you may need to get like a beverage or, or some sorts to allow yourself to like try to regulate to a slower pace. Um, I also um, tell folks to really um, get some distracting things away so recently i've told a couple like put the cell phone down and, right you no know, try put that to phone away turn the right? tv off right like don't look at email i know we're all super busy email is on fire right but it's important to really try to engage because by trying to give uh verbal indications to your partner that you are attentive allows you to listen better and it gives them more comfortability to keep talking and to keep engaging um and one last thing i want to say is um be open when i say be open like yeah be open to like what they're saying but be open so that way you're actually receiving the message right what I, what that means is do not be planning your response that's not listening folks we need to stop doing that we need to this isn't debate class okay this isn't this isn't like you know what i mean like it's not that but if you can literally be listening take in there's nothing wrong with asking for space for you to now think about your thoughts so you can respond. But part of listening is not um, not not for um, forming your own opinions and creating your own debate uh, points. What do you th what do you think, Dr. Khadija? I, I I love that last point. That that's it. I think that, <laughs> that that's work for a large, a, a vast part um, population of our world. But I I. I would say I would throw in there that 80% um, of our communication revolves around nonverbal communication. So um, it's it's the body language, um, the positioning that Dr. John mentioned, um, you know, in terms of um, how sitting, how your body is. And, and those are the things that um, as a listener, you observe more mm -hmm. of those nonverbal. So as someone is talking with you, you pay attention to the tone. You mm -hmm. pay attention to what is the body saying? Because a lot of times, particularly when we're, as we earlier mentioned, um, folks who have are conditioned to not be forthcoming with how they authentically feel, they may be saying something to you where their body language is saying something completely different, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you've seen the people who say, I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. shaking my head. I'm shaking my head as I say I'm happy. Yeah. You know, and and so those those things that are happening with the body, I always like to um tell that you say say that you can listen with your ears and your eyes. You know, you're paying attention, and that that observation, that um ability to sometimes hear when nothing's being said mm -hmm. and to sense what what's going on. Th those are those those are the types of things that make people feel safe with you it's like you listen but you don't just listen you are attuned into mm -hmm. what are those those non-verbals those patterns that someone is displaying but even that... your own but even your own non-verbals as yeah. a person yes. listening that's just yeah. as yes. important too because if you want them to feel safe you have to look like you're taking them seriously you can't sit yes. back there laughing you can't be over there again looking at something else you have to be keyed in and present with what they're talking about as well. Exactly. That's also, exactly. you know, a major part of it. Great point. Exactly. You know, point. and so, you know, being present, you know, we talked about compassion, being compassionate. We talked about being empathetic. We, we didn't mention was, you know, making sure that you're not actually expressing your own opinions while someone's expressing something going on with sure. you. You know, right. as a listener, you're taking in. 
it's not your time to, you know, um, reflect back your own thoughts. You can reflect back what you're hearing from them to make sure that you're clear. And that's always a good practice. But you don't reflect back your own thoughts and your own opinions at that moment. That You can say that for later when it's time for you to express. Yeah. And then a big point, too, is making sure, and I find this, my clients do this all the time, stop interpreting what they're saying. Correct. Stop interpreting. Stop, stop saying, oh, what you mean is, no, no, no. What they mean is what they said. Yeah. So when you actually take the time to reflect back what you heard from them, and they can say, yes, that's what I, that's what I meant, then there's no room and no time to even interpret because your interpretation is now going to affect your own feelings around what you're hearing because now it's a whole different perspective and you're not being clear on what's being said. And so if you want to have good, clear, open communication, make sure you're not, <laughs> you're not interpreting what they're saying to you. That's look, a good point. Look it. Dr. Gadeja, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. We have to, you know, wrap it up right now. It was great seeing you. Congratulations on mm-hmm. your advancements and everything. So proud exactly. of you and still so inspired by you. Oh, thank um, you both. And you know we have, have yeah. to have you back on again. Dr. That Gadeja, went by so quickly. I know, I know. It was, it was flying. It was flying. But <laughs> we're we're such we're such huge fans. And so we 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 gotta make you a regular. You know, uh, during some of our hot topics, because it's always a pleasure having you, sister. Thank you so much. The feeling is very mutual. Yeah, and we'll see you again. We'll definitely see you again. Dr. Johnny, closing thoughts. Man, everybody have a blessed one. Keep communicating and take care of your well-being and the well-being of those around you. Stay blessed. Obviously, we have to do a part two. We have to definitely have to do do. so much more to talk about when it comes to communication. So we'll definitely do a part two. But for now, you have this one, and we actually got it recorded, so we had to put it up for you to listen to. (laughs) All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you tune in again for more of this series on healthy relationships. Next time, we will be talking about intimacy. Ooh, we're going to get deep on that one. So make sure you check check that one out as well. Have a good and safe week. And just show that love, y'all. Show that love and that care. Take care. Uh,